Welcome to this Thursday evening meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. This evening's message is by Paul Abel. Good evening, everybody. Praise God. We talk a lot about being in Christ Jesus, or I do, I'm sure you do too. You remember this little illustration of entering into another dimension? But uh, that's not what I'm using it for tonight. I want you to imagine that's you, so it's an appropriate shape this time. Because it's this whole thing of in Christ Jesus. I mean, in, in, in the Greek, it's literally en Christu Jesus. It is just in Christ Jesus. There's no extra complicated words. But there's this whole uh, built in with it, the, the, the thing that we are completely and utterly united with him and sat with him in heavenly places. What does it look like when you are in Christ? What does it, what does it mean spiritually? Well, if we take this as Christ, which is quite good because we've got the word of God and he is the word. If we imagine that as Jesus, what does it mean to be in Christ? That's you. That's what you look like. That's what you look like in Christ. Before God and on that throne. That's why you can be so confident going before God. Because you are going clothed in Christ. Alex uh, is doing some teaching up at SCF with the worship team with Claire soon. He uh, emailed me in the week about the whole thing of the temple. And uh, it was just made me think about it again. I hadn't really thought about it for a while. But uh, in the final part of going into the tabernacle, the final part of the tabernacle, of course, was the most holy place. You started outside, you went into the courtyard, you went into the holy place, you went into the most holy place. And we often use it in Kingdom Faith as a, a way of understanding how we come into the presence of God. Although, contradictorily, we're always in the presence of God. But it's, a, it's an understanding in our minds that we are like recognising where we always are. Never leave the most holy place. Just stay there. And in that sense, it can be wrong to think of the tabernacle. Because we have entered that final curtain already. But in, ter- in understanding of worship, it can be really helpful because it re-engages with where you're at. I mean, it's like you're in Christ. But it's helpful to be reminded that in Christ, we are completely hidden. But why is that important when it comes to meeting with God? I don't think I did put this in your email, Alex. Because when you go into the final room, the final room was the most holy place. The only person that could go in there was the high priest. And he would take the blood to splash on the mercy seat. You see, before the blood, that was a throne of judgment. The throne we come before is a throne of judgment, but through the blood it becomes a throne of mercy. So he went before it, but he could not enter that room unless he was dressed in the priestly garments. We could not enter the most holy place tonight or any time unless we are dressed in the correct garments. And that is why we are clothed in Christ. So clothed in Christ, we will meet with him this evening. Before we actually worship, let's go to Ephesians. (laughs) 
chapter 2, first 10 verses. <laughs> How many times have we gone to this passage in the life of this church? Yeah, you see, I firmly believe that I keep asking that the Lord God of our Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I, I believe very strongly that that Holy Spirit is upon us. I mean, it's a Trinitarian thing, isn't it? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are working together there in that passage to give us revelation from the Word. Because it's not a book of words. It's the Word. It is a living document. It is a living person in Jesus Christ. And so, just as you can get to know a person better and better and better and better, you can come to know Jesus, to know the Word, deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And deeper this year. The conference took on a whole new depth of meaning uh, as we realised that God was really saying, no, deeper, deeper. I'm taking you deeper. And the experiences we've been through in the past year, where we've had highs and lows, are all part of God giving us a greater revelation and a greater understanding of who he is. It's... Isn't it strange that it's often the difficult times that we go through in God where we really grow, that we end up closer to God? Nobody ever wants to go through them. You'd be mad thinking, oh yes, bring on a bit of suffering, bring on a bit of trouble. You know, we'd be worried about you. But when that does come, you know that as God takes you through it, on the other side, you're going up the mountain again. You see, to reach the next mountain peak, you sometimes have to go through the valley, which is why the psalmist said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or the shadow of darkness. You can go through some dark places on the way to the next mountain top, on the way up to the summit. But that's where you're going. But you can't skip it. There's no skipping on the way. Because God is about developing maturity in us, and maturity is people, so that we can relate to one another maturely. It seems very sad to me these days that when you, the stuff you see online, uh, not just in Facebook and places like that, you, have you ever tried, I was reading through the comments uh, to the Times newspaper. You know, you'd think the Times newspaper would at least be, it's the Times for goodness sake. But the comments were just so puerile. They're, they're the same thing that you get on Twitter. Just no real argument, no real trying to understand one another, just chucking stuff at one another. Just, I don't agree with you, so I've got to make you look an idiot. I've got to call you and insult you because then I've won my argument. And it's like, what happened to understanding and, 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 and knowledge? And here's God saying, I want to give you a spirit of wisdom. And revelation. In other words, knowledge. You can't have anything else that's more flying into where the world, against what the world seems to want to be in right now. You don't, uh, we have a president in America who, if he doesn't like the news, just says it's fake. And if he's not the centre of attention, it's fake. You know, that we have a, a sort of a, a narcissistic, it's all about me approach. And if it's different to me, well, I just insult it until I look better. You know, it's, it's a disaster. 
And as people begin to take back hold of civilization, really, I'm not being political, I'm just being observant of what he does. Um, so when we come back to familiar passages, you can think, I don't know if there's anything else in there, but there always is, if you believe the one that just came before it. A spirit of wisdom and revelation. I mean, maybe, maybe you got something out of just that little bit of paper. That's what enables you. On Sunday, we had Kate sitting here on the thrones to be pictorial of sat in heavenly places. For some people, it was the first time they'd ever realised that the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit were there with, around the throne. It was suddenly a picture not of sat alone on a throne, a wonderful place to be, but placed into community. Amen. And then we went to the fact that actually we're all there, all sat in the same place. So I'm not going to speak very much. It's Thursday night, but it's just a little bit. And if we get a break later on, if you've still got something from uh, Deeper, because there was a time in Deeper when I said, you know, be prepared to share a word at some time in season. And uh, we were literally step by step following the Holy Spirit the whole weekend. So I never quite knew what was going to happen next. And uh, nobody did have an opportunity to... Uh, preach at an unusual moment that weekend but I think you did something similar with uh, Brian and Shona last week but if you have anything later that you want to just share just a couple of minutes even normally we talk about just bringing you know the prophetic word and praying it but tonight if you want to come and preach for two or three minutes you can come and preach for two or three minutes (laughs) just share something just like I am now you know, just sharing something. I was looking at the word wrath. By nature, we are objects of wrath, it says in this passage in chapter 2. It's not, you think, well, that's not a very uplifting word to study wrath, really. I don't know if I want to think about God's anger too much. But one thing I, know, I didn't know that I discovered today in the word wrath is it doesn't just mean um, anger although that's there, uh, an indignation. But the source of the anger is grief. Doesn't that give you a different picture of the wrath of God? <laughs> so when it says we are objects of wrath, it is, God's, it is God that is angry. He can't do anything else because of his holiness. And we talked about God being fire, just burning a sheet of paper. The fire cannot decide not to burn the sheet of paper. It will just do it. And God's holiness will just destroy those that are not hidden in Christ. He can't do anything about that. He is fire. We are the objects of wrath. But the source of that is, also, is grief. And of course it's the grief of the separation. The, the, the grief of what the sin that's causing the separation is causing in the lives of these very people that is, are objects of wrath. And there's a very important word that comes right after the word wrath, because it's quite modern not to ever consider God's wrath. You know, you don't want to talk about God like that. No, no, avoid that. But it's so important to understand it's not nasty... He's not being nasty. This, this is a 
think of all the sin that's in the world that you don't like. You know, think of the abuse that some people are put through, adults and children. You, you, you get angry about it, don't you? Often a lot of charitable work comes because people get angry with what's happening and want to do something about it. Anger can be very positive. That's why it does actually say in the Bible, in your anger, don't sin. You can, anger can be a channel if you put it in the right direction. It's when it turns to hate that it becomes sin. But here, this anger of God, we were by nature objects of wrath, that would be our position. But such is the grief of God, he has to provide an answer. This is why the gospel is good news. It's, it, some, some, and I don't think it's necessarily a very helpful place to begin sharing the gospel, that God is a God of wrath. But actually, we do need to know that he hates sin. Because it is destructive. The, the only thing, the difference between God and people is, as people in the world, we don't all agree on what sin is. And God's standard somewhere up here. You know, and wherever we are, it's like how far can you swim across the Atlantic in comparison. It doesn't really make much difference if you take two steps off the beach or you get a mile. You're still nowhere near a New York City, you know, in terms of the distance to the... And that's, that's, that's the kind of thing we're talking about, you know. However, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Then there's this word, but... But, because of his great love for us. You see, the love overrules all of that. If there was no but in that sentence, we would still be objects of wrath. But God is overwhelmingly love. He can't turn off his anger against the destructive force that sin is in the world. He can't turn it off. He hates sin. He hates sin. He doesn't hate people that sin. He hates what sin does. Just as we do when we see it destroying people's lives. How tragic is it when somebody gets murdered? How do we, how do we hate that sin that that person is stolen from the world through sin? We hate that sin. Oh, God hates that sin. But because of his great love with us, he wanted to make that way that we could enter into the most holy place. To be with him. And we can never, I don't think we will ever get enough of this teaching, of this understanding, because it is our nature to recoil from God. We, we, we know we're not perfect. We know we do things wrong. We know the bits and pieces we've done. And we know how amazingly perfect he is. So you can, you can feel, I just back off a little bit in case I get hit by one of those divine lightning bolts. You are never going to get hit by one of those divine lightning bolts because... Although by nature, before we were in Christ, we were objects of wrath, but because of his great love, he wants to ride that way for us. And why the most holy place? Because that's the place you meet with God face to face. That's the place where you sat on the throne with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as we worship tonight, know where you sat. In the book of Hebrews, the writer to the Hebrews says, therefore with boldness we enter into the most holy place because of that blood. It's, and, and you can only operate that 
in faith. You've just got to accept that what Jesus says about you is not what your feelings might say about you. But the marvellous thing is, in all of this, it's all addressed to the community. And whereas we might have once thought of ourselves sat on the throne alone and maybe extended it to the way we are with God, we suddenly realise that this therefore with boldness we approach is us. Approaching, because we are the body. We've learnt that a nose or an ear or a finger can approach God. But how much better if the body comes together rather than this disproportionate amount of bits? One more thing here. Here's a, a really... Something else I saw in the scriptures today in a verse that I think we know so well. Again, many of us. Um, it is by grace that you have been saved. <laughs> um, no, that's not that one. It's the next one where he says it again two verses later or a couple of sentences later. Verse 8. I mean, this is one of those scriptures that it's worth always memorizing and have, you know, having. For it is by grace that you have been saved, or are being saved, or will be saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And I was reading it in the Greek, and the word it. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. What is the it? Because I've often read it, and it's not incorrect, but there's more. I've often read it as faith. I've been saved through faith. This not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. But in the Greek, and I can't remember which way, it's faith... Is masculine. And it, in the way it's used in this sentence, is neuter. You have male, female, and neuter in Greek. So he can't refer to it. It's impossible grammatically. Unless Paul is a bad grammatarian. But don't panic. So you then look at the sentence, you think, oh, well, it's, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. But grace is also masculine or feminine. I can't remember which way around it is. But it is neuter. So what's the it referring to? It's saved. It's salvation. And how are you saved? Through grace and faith. The gift from God is salvation, which is your faith, and and that has been given by grace. It's just a little thing, but I thought, wow... I always thought it was faith, but the gift is salvation, which is given through faith by grace. (laughs) There you go. That's an interesting little bit, isn't it? For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. Salvation by grace through faith it's the gift of God. You see, it makes perfect sense. And then, grammatically, it links. You couldn't do that in English because we don't have all that male and female and 
and neutra, neutral uh, stuff. But in the Greek, it becomes much more obvious. So God's gift to you is salvation that comes to you by grace through faith. You could, I, I just, I, I, no, so not by works so that no one can boast. Your salvation is not by works. You can't do anything to get saved. It can only be given to you. But I think what I like about this here, and I don't know if I can convey this, the faith is given to you. The grace is given to you to have faith. But you have to use the faith. Now, I'm not likely to do this, Karina. But let's imagine I bought Karina a brand new Ferrari. (laughs) Okay? Well, but that's exactly my point. Yeah, she'd be selling it the next day. <laughs> what she would not do, I hope anyway, and it's not going to happen, but is park the Ferrari on a, outside the front of her house and never use it. It would be completely pointless. She has received the Ferrari by grace. The Ferrari is faith. She has faith. It's sat outside her house probably be vandalised if it's parked anywhere in Scarborough. But there it is, sat outside your house. <laughs> it's sat outside her house. Now, in Karina's case, to use the gift properly, she would actually have to go and learn to drive. Because if she zooms out of her driveway in the Ferrari with no lessons, it's probably not going to have a great outcome. <laughs> but you know, when God gives you faith, if you don't let yourself learn about what it is to use faith and how to use faith, you can have some nasty accidents. When you get into places of huge disappointment in God because you said, I had faith. And you didn't. But you thought you did. Because... Perhaps you didn't understand what faith was. So by grace, grace is also favour. The favour of God on Charlotte, we'll go the other end. (laughs) Is to give her the gift. Let's say this time, I don't know, what shall it be? A brand new mansion in Scarborough. The deeds are signed over to her. This is your mansion, probably in Scorby. Yeah, that's also quite nice. (laughs) So she's got a mansion. No, I've got rid of mine. (laughs) She's got a mansion. She's got the deeds. She's got the rights to that property. But you see, you've got the deeds to every promise. We all have the deeds to every promise. They're all in here. But if she decides to carry on living and renting the property she's in in a moment, which she's perfectly free to do, because nothing can be imposed. Nothing is imposed upon us or it wouldn't. If I went round her house and dragged her through the streets and threw her into her house and locked the front door so she had to live in there, 
I'd probably get in a fair bit of trouble with her husband, if nobody else. <laughs> and Charlotte come to that. But, so God is not going to drag you kicking and screaming into the promises of God. Because it would be abusive. So by grace you are given faith. There's a lot of people out there that think that grace just means you just get everything. Grace just means it doesn't matter what you do. Grace just means you can live any lifestyle because God would forgive you. Grace is not about you can do anything you want. In any case, being forgiven is about mercy. Grace is about the favour of God which gives to you to enable you. In this case, we're talking about the grace of God, the favour of God being given to enable you to walk, to enable you to have faith. If Charlotte gives notice on her house, and then because often when we receive from God, we bless many others, she walk, goes down the street with all her friends helping her pack and move, and moves into this glorious house and she throws a party. She's taking hold of what she's been given and using it to the full benefit. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. For it is by grace that you have been saved. Through faith. It. Oh, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's the salvation is the gift. But salvation comes by grace and faith. And I like that. Because if you just say it's by faith, that's how you can get into striving and works. If you say it's just by grace, you just say, everybody's saved. And this is why everybody isn't saved. Everybody can be. God wants everybody to be. And I'm convinced there'll be far more people saved than we ever dream of, because God will give everybody every single opportunity possible. There's no way there's going to be people, you know, not in heaven saying, well, if I'd have known about it. I don't know how he does that, but that's a personal thing. But here... The faith enables you to take hold of. What does it enable you to take hold of? Salvation. You are saved. What's the most common word for salvation? Sozo is saved or soteria is salvation. Which means a place of safety. A place free from destruction. A place of health. A place of healing. A place of a sound mind. Of course, it's the strong tower is another description. It's to be sat, this is where we put the chair on Sunday, if you weren't here I apologise. It's the place that you are sat in heavenly places that Paul has just referred to. Salvation is saying, that's where I'm sat. That's what I'm going to take hold of. That's why there is unconditional, in the sense of our behaviour, acceptance. It's not unconditional because you have to... We have to accept it. The condition is that we say yes and take hold of it. So God gives you the faith by grace, but you have to use the faith. How do you use the faith? You say, yes, God, I believe you. I don't fully understand it. Charlotte hasn't got any clue why I gave her this mansion, neither have I. Corinne is very confused that she's been given a Ferrari. But rather than let it rust, she needs to use it. Now, in her case, she's going to have to be educated to get the full benefit of it. But so often, that's what we need. And that's why God 
right now, in this season that we're in, is literally pouring out deep course to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. What is that waterfall? It's that pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that the word feeds us deeper, so that we're stronger together in him. Isn't it amazing how, how he's sort of bringing everything together? So we can't turn anyone away because the gospel's for everyone. Hallelujah. For we are God's, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You can't boast. I mean, it's just a nonsense. If uh, Karina starts to boast about this wonderful Ferrari she's bought, that she's worked all her life to buy, people are just going to say, it was given to you. How can you boast about it? It was just given to you. You have a smile, look, I've got it. It was given to you. You didn't do anything. We can't boast about it. None of us deserve it. If I were you, I'd sell it personally, but you know, <laughs> use the money. <laughs> For we are God's workmanship, God's masterpiece, God's poem. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, the salvation, which is the gift, which comes through grace and faith, then releases us to do what God's called us to do. Which is why it's pointless to start thinking, I can't do it. There is one, the only way that it's true in I can't do it could be just that you need to understand more of what it is to be who you are. It's a bad analogy to say, Karina can't use the car unless she's done the faster driving test and learn how to drive, but it's kind of there. You know, it's, it's, it, to, to, to do everything that God wants you to do, you might need some training. Grace doesn't just mean, oh, I can do anything. I'm called to play the keyboard. But I'm not going to take any lessons. We're back to that one again. Just going to play. It was Brian, wasn't it? I'm just going to play in the spirit. And everybody will be covering their ears because it would be horrendous. You have to learn. But why, so why do we think anything else that we do is different? If you're going to preach from here, anybody can come and stand and talk. It's a fairly, you know, by the time you're five, you can probably talk. Well, before that, you know what I mean. Anybody can do that. Anybody tonight can come and share a short word of God, what God is saying. But if you want to grow and you want to be able to preach God's word and you want people to be equipped, you have to learn how to do it. You have to practice. You have to study. You say, well, that's not grace. That is grace. Grace has given it to you. And now through faith, you're activating it. And faith says, I need to learn about this, because then I will be more activated. I will play the piano better, I will preach better, I will serve better. I mean, if somebody says to Charlotte tonight, God has called me to work in the hub, I will make the coffee. And Charlotte will say, that's awesome, we'll teach you how to do it. No, I don't need lessons, it's an anointing. (laughs) It's a caffeine anointing. 
though other options are available. It is a caffeine anointing, and I will do it all in the spirit. But you can use the till because the love of money is the root of all evil. <laughs> Charlotte will say, look, either we show you how to use it or you're not doing it. You're not coming near the coffee machine unless you know how to use it. And that person could be anointed to serve coffee. They might be a wonderful person at serving coffee. They might be brilliant at greeting people. But if they don't learn the necessary skill, they're not going to go near the coffee machine because it will blow up. (laughs) Possibly literally if they mistreat it badly. And people will get hurt. But that's what happens with faith. People think, I don't need lessons. I don't need to understand. I don't need to be part of a body who can teach and train and equip me. I can do it by myself. And then it goes bang. And people get hurt. So that's why God puts us around wise people. Like Charlotte that says, you need to be taught. We will show you. Yeah? Amen. I was, I, yes, goodness. Uh, no, especially from this, <laughs> especially from this chapter. <laughs> but Alex is probably quite relieved in Karina, because I think you're, you're the worship team, aren't you, you two? <laughs> Let's have the worship team forward. <laughs> so, in one sense, they're quite relieved. They've not got a large group of them tonight. Hallelujah. So let's stand. Did you get anything fresh from that just now? Isn't that amazing? I mean, I spoke from exactly the same passage on Sunday. Exactly the same. Same words and everything. And yet God can give us something extra. It's amazing, isn't it? And a number of times we've read it before. I, I, that's the word of God. And that's what God's going to be doing with us. It might be just small things. But those small things can make a huge difference. Hallelujah. Ferraris and mansions. Hallelujah. The great adventures of faith. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.